addressing the fact that all of mankind will be without excuse for expressing and ultimately rejecting the truth of God. In Romans chapter 118, it states, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all the ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold or hold down or suppress the truth of God. It's a section that is teaching us that all mankind is guilty of sin and is accountable to God. And one reason that they are guilty of sin and accountable to God is because everyone has the truth of God to some degree. And whatever truth of God they have, in their fallen nature, there is this resistance to God's truth. We find in Romans chapter 1 and chapter 2 that there are three means by which God's truth is revealed. The first means is by creation itself. In the book of Romans it says, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being manifest by the things that are made, so that they are without excuse. We can see from creation that there is a God. And not only can we see that there is a God, but we can see that there is a wise God. We can see that there is a good God. We can see that there is a God to whom we are accountable and a God to whom we should be thankful. But mankind resists the truth of God as it's revealed in creation. Then, next, we saw that there is the truth of God that's revealed through our conscience. And that our conscience is a revealer of what is right and what is wrong. In Romans chapter 2, it begins, Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest. For in judging another thou condemnest thyself, for thou doest the same thing. So our conscience can reveal faults in others. We look and recognize what other people do and realize that it is wrong. That is true not only as Christians, but it's true in all cultures, in all societies, in all people groups. There are individuals that find fault with the behavior and conduct of other individuals. And then the verse says, but the person finding fault does the very same things. And so if we are finding fault with someone else and we do the very same thing, ergo we should find fault with ourselves. We ought to see in ourselves the same sin, the same shortcoming that we see in others when we do the same things. So the second source of truth that we have fallen short of God's glory is given to us by the conscience. The third area of truth that's revealed and is by far the clearest revelation of God is the truth that's given to us in his word. And mankind resists that truth as well. But it's this resisting of the truth of God's word that we are focusing on this morning. <coughs> we find that judgment is going to be based on the amount of truth that a person possesses. 
In Romans chapter 2, verse 12, we saw two weeks ago that those who do not have the word of God will not be judged by the word of God, but by their conscience. They're not going to be held accountable to the word if they don't have the word, but they'll be held accountable to their conscience. But those who do have the word will be judged by the word. Chapter 2, verse 12, and all who sinned under the law will be judged by the law. So this morning we move to a consideration of those who have the word of God. The Jews were a blessed people because they were entrusted with the word of God. Romans chapter three, verse one begins, what advantage then hath the Jew? Or what benefit is there of circumcision? Much in every way, because unto them were committed the oracles of God. The advantage of the Jew and the advantage of being circumcised was you have the word of God. The Jews were a blessed people because they had the word of God. In particular this morning, we're going to see that unfortunately they too suppress, downplay, or resist the truth of God that's given to them in his word. The first thing we want to see in this text is that the Jews were confident in that they were in a right relationship to God due to their knowledge of the word of God. Look with me at Romans 2.17 as we begin our text. But if you call yourself a Jew, a Jew and rely on the law and boast in God. So now we think about their boasting in God. They loudly proclaimed that they were the chosen people. They delighted in thinking of themselves as this people that God has separated unto them himself, that they were the chosen people of God. And they boasted in that claim, and notice in verse 12, they were relying on, or their confidence was, in their relationship to the law. In their relationship to the law, they were boasting that they were God's chosen people. As we look at the word law this morning, we see that as one of the synonyms for law is the word of God. They were boasting in their relationship to the word of God. In verses 18 and following, we have the degree of their boasting. We see in the way in which they boasted and relied upon their relationship to the word of God. Notice their claims. First, they claimed to know what God desired of them. Verse 18, and know his will. They said, we know God's will. We know what God desires. We know what God wants. We understand the mysteries of God and his purpose for creation. They claimed to have great spiritual discernment. Verse 18, and approve what is excellent. They claim that not only did they have the ability to discern the difference between right and wrong, not only did they know what was good and what was bad, what was just and unjust, they said they had the ability to approve what was excellent, meaning that they were able to choose between the better and the best, that they had such insight that they could understand what was the most helpful, the most beneficial, uh, the most uh, glorifying way to live. 
They claim to be skillful in God's law. Verse 18. Uh, and know his will, approve what is excellent, because you are instructed from the law. The word instructed in verse 18 is different from the word instructed in verse 20. Verse 20, it says, an instructor of the foolish. Here, the word to be instructed means to be uh, skillfully taught, meaning that they sat under the masters of the word of God. They, they were instructed by the best. And so they were catechized, they were developed, they were taught, they were discipled by the most knowledgeable of those that knew the law of God. As a result, they claimed to be a source of truth for the uninitiated, those who were clueless about spiritual things, those that were totally in a state of darkness. They were able to enlighten. Notice verse 19. And if you are sure, they were confident, you are sure that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness. Those people who did not know God, we can tell you about God. Those who didn't know how to live, we can tell you how to live. Those that were clueless about who God is, we can tell you who God is. They claim to be a help to the spiritually immature. Verse 20. Uh, a teacher of children, uh, those that had not developed, they could help those. They claimed to be able to set straight those who rejected the truth. Verse 20, an instructor of the foolish. In the scripture, the, the foolish is not the ignorant, the foolish is those that openly reject God. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They claimed that they had the ability to refute those that would oppose God. As I said, they claimed to be a help to the spiritually immature, a teacher of children. They saw themselves as the very fount of understanding. Notice this next statement. Having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth. They were the very embodiment. They, the, knowledge and truth rested in them. It's, it's, it's building to a climax. They were so confident. Man, they had it down. They could help the most blind to the most learned. They could be a source of help to them. They were confident in their knowledge of the word of God. The point is that they felt very comfortable in telling other people how to live their lives. They could tell people what people should do and should not do to make moral decisions, to answer the most difficult issues in life. They were a teacher of others. Therefore, they're without excuse for having sin in their own lives. If they could help others see the light, then they should be able to see the light for themselves. If they could instruct others in how to live, then they ought to know how they themselves should live. But they were inconsistent. They did not practice what they preached. Verse 21. You then who teach others. 
Don't you teach yourself? While you preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? The point is that these instructors and teachers of the word of God, of which they were so confident in, were not doing what they were telling other people to do. The scripture teaches us that we're not to be simply hearers, but doers of the word of God. And so they were condemned by their own words, by their own claims. If they had such a deep understanding, then why didn't they live in an appropriate manner? It's the same claim that comes against those who are judged by their conscience. Go back to Romans chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself, because you, the judge, practice the same things. There the argument was, you are able to see faults in other people. You do the very same things that you find fault with in other people. Therefore, you should see your own fault. Here the argument is, here you are able to teach other people how to live. If you're able to teach other people how to live, and you're telling them what, you should, what they should do, and you're not doing it, it ought to teach you something. It ought to reveal something. That you are not as righteous as you think you are. But oftentimes people confuse a knowledge with the word of God with obedience to the word of God. Just because we know what the Bible says doesn't mean that we do what the Bible tells us to, to do. And so the result was that they were not glorifying God. Verse 23, you who boast in the law dishonor God by breaking the law. See, they thought that they were bringing honor and glory to God. But they were actually dishonoring God. They thought they were honoring God by the way that they taught God's word. But they were dishonoring God through their disobedience to that word. And so they were breaking the law. Verse 24, for as it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Not only are you not glorifying God, but you are actually giving people a reason to blaspheme. A reason to speak evil of God. Because you are saying that you are his representatives and you are hypocrites. Their teaching was working against them, not for them. They were being viewed as hypocrites in their relationship to God. Their confidence was misplaced. It's going back to show, once again, what we're building to a climax. We haven't gotten there yet. But the climax is, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Whatever basis of truth they had, whether it be from creation, whether it be from the conscience, whether it be from the word of God, mankind falls short in living up to the standard that they have. And they should see that. Next, the Jews 
could not have confidence in their relationship to God simply because they were Jewish. That is, practiced the Jewish rituals or simply because they had a Jewish ancestry. Go back to verse 17. But if you call yourself a Jew, these were individuals that were relying on the fact that they were Jewish. They were Jewish. And they thought simply because they were Jewish, they had a right relationship with God. We find out that they could not have confidence in simply being Jewish. And there were two elements to their understanding of what it meant to be Jewish. The first was that they would be circumcised. And in being circumcised, they would identify with the Jewish people of God. And the second was through their ancestry, as being descendants of Abraham. This passage teaches you can't have confidence in either one. First, they could not have confidence simply because they were circumcised. Romans chapter 2, 25 through 27. For circumcision indeed is of value if you obey the law. But if you break the law, your circumcision becomes uncircumcision. So if a man who is circumcised keeps the precepts of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? Then he who is physically uncircumcised but keeps the law will condemn you who have written code and circumcision, break the law. So it's not about physical circumcision. It's about spiritual circumcision. It's about having faith in a salvific way before God. Being a true Jew is more than an issue of physical descent from Abraham or being circumcised. For it says in verse 28, for no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly. Merely one outwardly. Uh, Jesus addressed this issue with the Jewish leaders in John chapter 8. And listen to the words. And they, that is Jewish leaders, answered him, that is Jesus, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth that I heard from God. That is not what Abraham did. You are doing the works your father did. They said to him, we're not born of sexual immorality. We have one father, even God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is the liar and the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell you the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. They said, Abraham is our father. Jesus taught that being a Jew was more than just about physical descent. And it was more than just physical descent and circumcision. Verse 28. For no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical. Many of the Jewish people 
relying upon circumcision as a basis of their salvation. They believed that because they were circumcised, they were in a right relationship with God. This morning in my Sunday school class, we were in the book of Colossians. In the book of Colossians, we find that the same thing happens in relationship to baptism. That today, there are a lot of people that think they are in a right relationship with God because they've been baptized as an infant. And because they've been baptized, it means their sins are forgiven and they're going to heaven. Well, that's not right. And it wasn't right that just because they were circumcised that their sins were forgiven and they were going to heaven. But it's important to understand that that's not just a New Testament concept. That isn't something that just sprang into being when Jesus was born and began to teaching the Jewish people. But this was the understanding of circumcision from the very beginning. Uh, in uh, the book of uh, Leviticus, it says, But if they confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their fathers and their treachery that they have committed against me, and also in walking contrary to me, so that I walk contrary to them and brought them into the land of their enemies, if then their uncircumcised heart is humbled and they make amends for their iniquity, then I will remember my covenant. But notice those words, their uncircumcised heart. The circumcision had to be inward, not just physical, but there had to be an inward faith and belief that was accompanying that circumcision if it was to be a value, to be a benefit. So too today, baptism without faith is meaningless. But when you bring faith to the equation, then baptism has a significant value and benefit to us in our relationship with God. It's not salvific. It's our faith that is salvific. Again, listen to the words of the book of Jeremiah. Thus says the Lord, Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord, who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will punish all those who are circumcised merely in the flesh. I will punish all those who are merely circumcised in the flesh. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 25. Egypt, Judah, Edom, the sons of Ammon, Moab, and all who dwell in the desert, who cut the corners of their hair. For all these nations are uncircumcised, and all the house of Israel are uncircumcised in their heart. So the scripture is consistent. Old Testament to New Testament. That salvation doesn't come simply by being circumcised. And yet, that is what they were placing their faith and trust and confidence in. The fact that they knew God's word, the fact that they were descendants of Abraham, and the fact that they were circumcised, they thought, okay, we're saved. No. No. That's why the apostle Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first, and also to the Greek or the Gentile. Both need the message of salvation. 
Both need to place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Both have to come to a place of repentance and believe only in Jesus. This morning, we need to realize that this passage is given to us for more than just a a, a history lesson or a, a lesson in other religions. You know, circumcision doesn't have much meaning for us today, so let us move from circumcision and talk about baptism this morning. And I say to you this morning, there are far too many people who are trusting in the fact that they were baptized as an infant, that they are right with God and they're going to heaven. No. No. The only way we are right with God is through personal faith and trust in Jesus Christ who died for our sins and rose again so that we could experience new life. To be born again through faith in him. Whether you are baptized as an infant is totally irrelevant to your salvation and your relationship with God. Don't place your confidence in your baptism even as they place their confidence in their circumcision. They place their confidence in their relationship, their ancestry. If you are here this morning and you are placing your confidence in the fact that you are from a long line of Christians, your parents were Christians, your grandparents were Christians, and your great-grandparents are Christians, you've always gone to a Christian nation or whatever the case may be, uh, no, no. You don't inherit the kingdom of God through physical descendants. You're not born again because of who your parents are. You're not saved because of your parents. You're not in a right relationship because of your parents. Faith is an individual matter. You, I, have to place faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. I was blessed to be brought up in a Christian home. Both my mom and my dad were born again. But that's not why I'm born again. I'm born again because I placed my faith in Jesus Christ. And so must each and every individual. Some people place their confidence in their knowledge of the Word of God. Uh, There are people that have gone to Christian schools parochial schools. There are people that read the Bible. They have gone to church all their lives. They have gone to Sunday school. They can tell you the the Bible stories. They can tell you who Jesus is. Salvation is not based on Bible knowledge. It isn't having been associated with the things of God. It isn't having been in Sunday school all your life or sitting in a church pew for years. It isn't about what you know, even if you know the gospel. It isn't simply about being able to talk about the Romans road or, you know, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. And the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If you grew up in this church and you were a part of Embark, 
you could quote every one of those verses. The issue is not, can you quote the verses? The issue is, do you believe what the verses say? The issue is, have you submitted? Have you come to a place where you recognize that my righteousness is insufficient? All my good deeds are not enough to make me acceptable in the sight of God. Paul said, I'm not ashamed for the gospel of Christ, for the power of God is salvation to everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Greek, for in it, the gospel, is the righteousness of God revealed from face to face. The gospel is a revelation of God's righteousness, of how we can be right with God through Jesus Christ. And there is no other way to be right with God other than through faith in Jesus Christ. It's from faith to faith, meaning from faith beginning to end. It's all about faith in Jesus Christ. And so I say to you, have you personally exercised that faith in Jesus Christ? Have you acknowledged your sinfulness? I don't care how good you have been or how bad you have been. We all stand in need of the forgiveness of sins through Jesus Christ. Have you come to that realization that you can't be saved by your own goodness? Have you asked Jesus to forgive you your sins? And to give you eternal life. There is no greater question in life. One of the great sadnesses is the people that are, stu- that are steeped in religious training and background. People that are quote unquote good people that are seeking to live moral lives that pray, maybe been baptized as an infant, go to church, do the things that Christians do, and believe that because of all that, they're right with God. You know, the Jewish people, they prayed. That's what the Pharisees had such a difficulty with. They were praying. They knew the word of God. They memorized the word of God. They were trying to do good. And they had confidence that they were teachers able to help the blind. And Jesus said unto them, you are the blind leading the blind. And when the blind leads the blind, they both fall into a ditch. They're both destroyed. Don't trust in religiosity. Don't trust in religiosity. Trust in Jesus Christ, a personal faith in him. And don't resist the truth. Having heard, maybe even having a twinge of conscience, and maybe even saying to yourself, someday I'm going to do that, someday I'm going to pray, someday I'm going to ask Jesus to save me. No. Don't resist the truth of God.
believe, receive, experience eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let's pray. Before we actually pray this morning, is there anyone that has never prayed to ask Jesus as their Lord and Savior that today you desire to do that? I'm not asking you to come up forward or do anything. I just want to pray for you in a, in a, in a non... Uh, I'm not going to mention your name, but I would like to acknowledge before God your desire to place your faith and trust in him. If you've never prayed to receive Christ this morning and you would like to, would you raise your hand quickly so I can see it? And keep it up. I heard that a few weeks ago there was someone who raised their hand and I didn't see it. So uh, today, if there's anyone, uh, would you please keep it up until I acknowledge it? Anyone at all uh, that you want to receive Jesus as your Savior? Anyone? Oh Lord, I pray that indeed everyone in this room does know the Lord Jesus Christ is their personal Savior. What a joy that would be. What a delight. Oh God, I don't know, but you do. You know our hearts. No one can deceive you. No one can pretend to be what they're not before you. I pray that if there's anyone here that really hasn't accepted Jesus as their Savior, that your spirit would strive with them. You would give them no peace until they make that decision to trust in Jesus. Lord, we're thankful that we don't have to be in a church service. We don't have to be with a minister. We simply have to, in our own innermost being, cry out to God, seeking forgiveness, seeking deliverance from our sin, and trusting solely in Jesus. Lord, may anyone here who doesn't know Christ call out unto you this day. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the wonderful benefit that we have. What a privilege. Not only to have the truth of, of God from the creation, as glorious and as wonderful that is, not only having the truth of our conscience that teaches us good and bad, but Lord, to actually have the truth of your word. But Lord, help us to realize it's not a matter of simply being hearers of the word, but doers. So Lord, uh, grant us that faith and that trust to call out unto you to be saved. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.